Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Before I get started, I want to give a huge shout out to Alexis and Matt Iaconis at Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. Even in these tough times, they've stepped up to be the first sponsor of Shelter in Place. I can personally vouch for both the quality of wines you'll receive and the integrity of this small local business, which needs your support to survive right now. When you order wine from brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com, you can get 10% off your order by using the promo code SHELTER. If you order six or more bottles from Brick and Mortar, you'll also get free shipping and overnight shipping in California. Last week, in the early days of the Bay Area shelter-in-place mandate, I came across a wonderful essay by Sari Botten titled, Why I'm Giving Myself Permission to Keep Writing at This Time. It captured so perfectly what I was feeling, and still am, about the tension between art and reality right now. The other day, my painter friend, Christine Farouge, called me to check in. We've been friends for almost 30 years, and one of the functions of our friendship is to encourage each other to keep creating, especially when it's not going well. Christine was supposed to have her first solo show in the coming weeks, and she'd asked me to curate a reading for it. Obviously, none of that is happening now. She's disappointed about her show, but also worried about the art world at large. She said, in a bad economy, art is the first thing to go. Both Suri Botten and Christine are wrestling with the same question in different ways. In a time of catastrophe, what good can art do? Of course, there are lots of examples throughout history of art that did make a difference in times of crisis. In 1937, Picasso's Guernica memorialized the victims of an aerial bombardment during the Spanish Civil War. It became an emblem of the fight against fascism. In 1971, in an era of extreme racial violence, art was one of the few ways that marginalized black communities could communicate and fight against white oppression. Emory Douglas gave visual definition to the Black Panther movement, and in his We Shall Survive Without a Doubt, he gave people hope that African-American children would be America's future. David Wojnarowicz's leather jacket in 1988 called out the FDA for dragging its feet on AIDS research and humanized AIDS victims at a time when they were being treated as outcasts by society. Still, there's the very real question about whether or not creating art is a luxury during this time when so much help is needed, out in the world and also in our own homes and communities. My friends and neighbors, Arthi and Joel, are putting their time, money, and energy towards sourcing masks and other PPE directly from Chinese medical supplies manufacturers to provide them for local hospitals. In my own home, I've often felt guilty for not spending every waking moment with my kids or putting all of my efforts into teaching them. But Sari Botten's essay is a great counterpoint to this. She's not writing because she thinks her work will save the world, but because it's keeping her going. She says, Lately, I've been writing in the wee hours of the morning, when anxiety about this mind-boggling, ever-changing catastrophe keeps me awake. It feels good to be productive, to get my thoughts out of my head and into a Word document. Who knows how much of it I will ever publish, 
the effort still feels worthwhile. We are living in interesting times. I would argue too interesting. There will be things to say about it. Let yourself say them if you want to. I doubt Picasso or Douglas or Wojnarowicz at the time of creation thought that they would change the world. I'm guessing they were just trying to survive, trying to articulate through their work what they were experiencing at the time. The idea for this podcast came to me in a rush last Monday as a way to endure this time well. It felt urgent in a way that few things in my life do, but it also seemed crazy. All my life, I've struggled with structure and regularity. I'm eight years into parenthood, and still, consistency is the hardest part. I'm a bit obsessive and perfectionist about my work. I've written so many stories and even a couple of novels during the past 20 years that I've been writing seriously, but most of them are still unpublished, often because they feel 95% done, but I can't put my finger on that last 5%, and so they languish in a folder on my computer. I don't think I've ever reached a point in my life where I feel like I'm managing my time as well as I'd like to. In all of my years of writing, I've never pushed myself to create, edit, and publish something all in the same day, let alone in the space of a few hours. I wouldn't have believed that it was possible until last week. The idea of a daily podcast was so unlike me that I had to ask my husband, Nate, for permission to do it. I know this will come at a real cost to you, I said to him. It might be a total failure. It might just be something I do for me. It's okay if you want to tell me no. But he said yes, without hesitation. He hasn't wavered from that response, even though it's meant that he has the morning shift with the kids while I write and record. He's a writer too, so he understands that creating isn't just about what you can produce. It's about what the creative process does to you. Still, I feel the tension of creating in a time of crisis every day. Every day, I push aside the fear that I'll run out of ideas and inspiration. Every day, I forgive myself for not achieving perfection. Every day, I lament the things in this world that are not as they should be. And every day, the act of creating achieves its purpose. I feel able to face one more day. There have been other benefits to this process as well, ones I didn't anticipate. It's brought me into closer connection with my friends, family, and neighbors. It's given me a chance to promote and encourage the good work others are doing. It's pushed me to pay attention to the world around me, to look for the glimmer of light through all of the daily bad news. And it's been a great source of amusement to my children, who love hearing themselves mentioned and dancing to the music in the credits. If you're creating something right now, I would love to hear about it. I've already heard from a few of you, and I'm so excited to feature your work in upcoming Story Saturdays. At the beginning of this episode, I mentioned my friends Arthie and Joel, who are working hard to provide masks and PPE to nurses, doctors, and medical providers. I've put a link to their GoFundMe page in my show notes. The fund is called PPE for Healthcare Workers in Oakland and SF and 100% of these donations will go toward PPE. I've heard from so many of the medical professionals in my life that hospitals are in desperate need of masks and other PPE right now. If you can help out by donating, please do. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, I would love it if you could rate it and review it wherever you listen, share it with a friend, and subscribe. 
The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. As always, you can find links to the things I mentioned in each episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.